Fox Business Channel. And there's more. Weeknights from 6 till 8, it's all business and money with Tom Sullivan. All on News Talk WLOB and WLOBradio.com. Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. Another beautiful Saturday morning, sun shining, sunrise was beautiful. I love getting up this early on a Saturday. That sunrise just always makes me happy. And looking out there at the lawn, boy, we haven't had much for rain lately. I hope you enjoyed last week's show. I was in New York City enjoying myself. Went to the 9-11 Memorial. What a great, great job they've done there. And uh, spent some time with family. Went to a family wedding. Enjoyed, you know, a nice little time off. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, But boy, a lot has gone on out in the gardening world here. Uh, We have had a confirmed, you know, diagnosis of late blight on tomatoes in Warren, Maine. This is the disease that wiped out tomatoes in the past few years. Last year wasn't so bad, but we've had a lot of problems with this. So I want to be very vigilant about, uh, you know, making sure we do what we need to to protect your tomatoes. So here's kind of the deal. I want you to stop watering your tomatoes with a sprinkler, first off. Uh, make sure that you're not splashing water around your garden. Water your tomatoes at the base, and we need to get some fungicide on them. This is an airborne disease. There's nothing we can do. We get hurricanes, windstorms, rainstorms, thunderstorms. It's going to start spreading all over the place. If it's in one spot here in Maine, it's going to be here, there, wherever. Uh, So if you're having problems with your tomatoes, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We've seen a bunch of problems starting to show up uh, on tomatoes. So blight, late blight, uh, blossom end rot, a bunch of things kind of starting to go on with tomatoes. Our e-news this week kind of highlighted that, but we didn't really go into fine detail on what you can use and whatnot. So I'm going to kind of cover that a little bit. Uh, today, but I wanted to talk a lot about water because it feels like we've had just a ton of rain, okay? And really, we're in a dry pattern right now. And we've got heat and humidity coming this week. So today, I want you to go out and water your plants. I want you to water your plants. I was out in my garden last night, and I really was finding that things are very dry. Okay, so I've started to water again. Um, I've started to plant again. I've put six or eight perennials in in the last week or so. Uh, Done some other cleanup and weeding and and kind of getting things kind of, you know, ready to do some transplanting and and, uh, moving around for this fall. I also, in the nursery, we had a sighting of sawfly on some of our pines and spruces yesterday. This is not a normal time for this insect, but it looks like maybe we're getting a little bit of surge. Maybe in some of that rain, uh, we had some extra eggs laid, and we're getting a second round that's starting to show up. So I want you to go out and look on your white pine, your spruces, all your mugo pines, your evergreens. It's a little worm about an inch and a half long, and it just absolutely defoliates, you know, pine, spruces, stuff like that. 
So we need to get out there and inspect because we were shocked when we saw them yesterday. This is not a normal time frame for sawfly that we normally see. Uh, you know, so get out there and, and inspect those uh, pines and spruces. But let's go back to the late blight because I think that's a really, really, let's face it, we've put all this work into our tomato plants. You're starting to harvest. They're looking great. I've got probably 15 or 20 tomatoes off of my plants at this point. But we need to go ahead and put some fungicide on them to protect. It's much easier to ward off late blight if we're proactive. So start spraying before, I, I can't stress this enough, before you have a problem. Okay, so if you're looking for an organic root, okay, Serenade is, works very well as a deterrent. It will not work once you have the disease. So, Serenade, great organic fungicide. Another product called Actinovate. Now, Late Blight is not listed on the label for this. But what this product is, is it's a stress reliever for tomatoes and, and plants. We recommend it when you plant your tomatoes to go ahead and drench the root system and then periodically spray down the plant throughout the, the crop cycle. Actinovate is going to also help relieve stress in that plant, so you might look to pick that up also. Okay, you can water the plant in. It's kind of a natural plant health care product. Um, it tends to really ward off a lot of problems, so you may consider going ahead and, and adding that to the organic fungicide also. It's kind of a two-prong approach. Um, customers who have done that seem to have really kind of weathered the storm, Might you might say. Now, if you need to go more synthetic, you know, you feel like you're having more things kind of going on with your tomatoes, Funganil is a good product by Bonide and Mancazeb by Bonide. I know that last one, Mancazeb. It's, it's very, you'll, you'll notice it on the shelf. The name pops right out. Um, great product. Um, both of them work very, very well. Uh, both are registered for vegetables. Uh, Funganil, you can spray right up to the day of harvest. So meaning you can spray the day before and then harvest the next day. My suggestion when using synthetics is pick all the fruit that has any color, okay? So only leave the green fruit on your tomato plant. So anything that's starting to turn yellow or, or turn, starting to turn orange or red, pick off and let it, vi let it ripen at the, in the house, Okay, that way you're probably giving yourself about a 10-day period where you spray and then you shouldn't have to spray again, okay, before fruit starts to ripen. So you're lengthening the time between you spray and the time you harvest. Always harvesting as much as you can before you spray will give you the limited exposure that is best. So, you know, pick off all that fruit, get it inside, let it ripen so you'll still have fruit kind of coming. Uh, and then go ahead and, and spray. With Mancazeb, it's a five to seven day interval until you can harvest again. So it's about a week. The other thing you should think about is spraying before a rainy period and after a rainy period. Okay, so if we have two or three days of rain coming and it looks like you see that in the forecast, spray a couple days before and then maybe spray a couple days after. Okay, so that will help cover, you know, you on late blight. Now, let's face it, we've got heat and humidity coming, and this is the perfect conditions for late blight, 
okay? Splashing water and heat and humidity coupled by wind to spread it around is exactly the perfect model for leaf blight to kind of spread in massive amounts. So if you're near Warren, Maine, I'd be very concerned. But the likelihood is if it's shown up one place in Maine, it's probably some other places also. So go ahead, take a look look at your uh, tomato plants. If you uh, have a question, give us a call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We'll kind of roll into my veggie garden, uh, you know, update. So we've started to harvest. I know I got started really late and, you know, things are really coming on. I had to do another round of fertilization, though. Things have really kind of been slow, uh, so I kicked it up a notch. I went to a 510.5, a more synthetic fertilizer, to get more bounce in my plants. I wasn't finding I was getting the organic need out of out of the two fertilizers I was using, the Garden Tone and the Fish Emulsion. I, I just wasn't getting the nutrient value I needed, and I couldn't seem to add enough to really get them to kind of pop. I put that 510.5 on a week ago, and things have exploded, okay? Sometimes you just need to put the right product at the right time, and I had noticed that no matter what I did, I just couldn't get enough nitrogen, you know, so I went with a little bit lower nitrogen, a 510.5, uh, side dressed the rows, and things really started to grow. My lettuce has exploded. We've had multiple salads off of that. The beans have grown about six inches and started to flower. The tomatoes have all of a sudden started to ripen. My basil's just going crazy. It's not chlorotic and, and you know, yellow. It's greened right up. And, you know, I picked all the, the flower seed pods off to make sure that it stayed vegetative and picked off all of those. Uh, our mint has just exploded with growth. So, you know, our cucumbers have doubled in size and started to bloom. So things really, you know, have have slowed up. Now, now is the time to start thinking about planting your second crop of lettuce and a lot of things, okay? Or maybe even your third crop if you started really early. I'm going to start putting in some seed now for, you know, mid to late September harvest. So if you're having problems with, you know, some of your cucumbers and some of your other things, you may consider starting to think about doing that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of powdery mildew on, you know, some some different plants in the garden right now that, again, keep the sprinkler off off of that. That will splash and kind of spread around the garden. We've got a couple questions here, but um, the first question here is from uh, Debbie. And is it time to start dividing perennials and moving them Um it really is, Debbie. Now is the time to start thinking about moving perennials and or trees or shrubs. The tough thing is we've got that heat and humidity that they keep talking about in the forecast. And we have dry conditions right now. So before you go ahead and move, I want to start watering. Um, I also want to think about maybe pruning the plants back a little bit. Um, you know, we've started to do some work in our gardens at the garden center. We've been lifting perennials, dividing some stuff, um, you know, moving some things around. But what we do is we water before and we try to pick an overcast or a rainy day to kind of move things at this time of year. So what we're doing is we're going in right now and we're root pruning um, a lot of these plants that we plan on moving. And when I say root pruning, what we're doing is we're going in and we're spading around the clump of plants and we're breaking those roots 
so that they start to build fine root system closer to the, the crown. What that will allow us to do is move them much easier and divide them much easier in the next coming weeks. But water right now is very crucial. When you go ahead and do that, I want you to deep water. And, you know, that's that's tough to do by hand sometimes. So you might run a sprinkler and put your rain gauge out and run at least an inch or inch and a half of water and really soak down into the deep core because we really haven't had any moisture of, of to, per se. Uh, and I was digging a hole yesterday and it's just popcorn dry. It is really, really dry. We've got to watch the lawns at this point. But you can go ahead and start. Um, I think, you know, in the next couple weeks, we're going to really know, but go ahead, start, you know, root pruning and getting ready to do some of that moving. If you have a question, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. So in my time off, I was able to get a little bit of landscaping done and enjoy myself and, you know, added some new perennials. I've got, every year we get a bunch of samples, um, you know, from suppliers all over the place, and we plant them up and, uh, you know, trial them to make sure it's a plant that we think you're going to like, it grows well. Uh, so we've been working very dig- diligently on that, and luckily I get to plant a lot of those in my yard. And so there are some shining stars for next year. I'm not going to tell you what they are yet because I don't know if I can get the liners yet. Uh, if I can get the plants, um, we'll be talking about a lot of those new varieties coming up through the winter. Um, you know, I know winter, isn't that scary? Uh, but the poinsettias are looking great in the greenhouse and the mums are sizing up beautifully. Now we don't have any mums out for sale yet. Okay. And I will be in the second hour talking about mums, what to do, what not to do, when you should buy them, what you should look for when you buy them. So, you know, stay tuned in the second hour. We're going to talk a lot more about that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back for more of The Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the Independent Garden Centers of Maine at MaineIGC.com. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. 
Summer sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen. But what are you really getting? Scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden. August Bargain Days at Estabrooks features big, beautiful, and healthy plants that have been cared for and, in many cases, grown by the talented staff, all at a fraction of the price. All plants are now 20 to 75% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. See the difference and save big today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on this beautiful Saturday morning. Love this weather. You know, cool nights, nice warm days. A little bit of humidity coming in this week. That's okay. You know, we still want it to be summer. We don't want it to be fall yet. You know, let's uh, kind of string it along, get a couple more beach days in, you know, enjoy the yard, uh, have a cookout, you know, enjoy all of that fun stuff that summer brings. But fall is my favorite time of year. And in the garden center industry, we are really focused on fall now. So every time I go away and I take time off, I always tend to mix in work. It's just the nature of my being, I guess. And my lovely wife, uh, Sue, she came along with me and we visited a couple nurseries. We we visited, uh, you know, Imperial Nursery and we visited Pride's Corner, um, both uh, two of our larger suppliers. Uh, and I did some orders while I was away. I know, I know. I worked, I worked. I shouldn't have, but I did. Had some great meetings. Uh, stopped off in Connecticut on the way back for a couple days. Uh, went to a nice talk about our industry and all kinds of things that are going on. But what I wanted to kind of impress was we're bringing in our fall plants now. Okay, so over the last few weeks, we've been bringing in material here or there. Now we're bringing in much more material, getting ready for that late August, September time frame, the fall planting season here in Maine, you know, by mid-October is completely done. So now is the time to start talking with the nurseries. If you're going to consider doing a project now is the time to start talking with us because we have two or three more good shipments coming in. If you're looking for larger plants, evergreens, you know, other things like that, we have, you know, those in stock. Uh, right now, on all our bald and burlap material, we've got some coupons in our e-news. So if you're not getting our e-news coupons, you should sign up at estabrooksonline.com. There is a coupon in there right now for an extra 20% off. That's right, extra on top of the 20% that they're already discounted, so up to 40%. And then on some shade trees and some other um, flowering trees, an extra 15% off. So, you know, up to 35% off. So those are some good deals going into fall. We're trying to move out a little bit of the inventory that's been here in the last, you know, month or six weeks, getting ready to bring in some of that fresh stock for, for fall. And we just had a tractor trailer load of material arrive in the Yarmouth store on Thursday. 
beautiful hydrangeas, limelight hydrangeas, um, echinaceas, uh, a whole bunch of different buddleias or butterfly bush, uh, you know, all kinds of wonderful flowering materials. So Yarmouth has received a lot of stuff. Blue hydrangeas, endless summers and twist and shouts, unbelievable blue color. They look amazing right now. There's also an extra 10% off on those on the coupons. So you can go to estabrooksonline.com click on the button. You can get those coupons. Just sign up for the e-news. Uh, you can also pick up past e-news uh, for information. You know, the e-news is really more about passing on information than it is about sales and all of that. It's really to help tell you what you should be doing in the garden week to week. This week had a lot of information about those tomato problems we're having. So good information, you know, general information that you can use, you know, week in and week out. We try to prompt you for what's going on. So we have another question from Jan from Falmouth. My Japanese beetles have almost disappeared. Is it too late to use milky spore? Great question. It's never too late to really use milky spore, okay? Now, milky spore is a long-term project. And, you know, what they say is it will die over the winter in in the uh, ground. Now, there's a guarantee on the bag that it will stay alive, but how can you prove that? You really can't, whether it's there or not there, you know. So there's really not a whole heck of a lot you can do. But what I will say is now's the time when they're laying eggs. So if you can get that active and working in the soil, it's only going to be a benefit. Okay, I would repeat it in the spring, you know, so you could go ahead and get it down. You will get some control out of it this fall, which will take a portion of the Japanese beetles out of your, your neck of the woods. And then go ahead and reapply next spring, probably about Mother's Day or Memorial Day. And that will set you up for the following year. Okay, and by re-inoculating the lawn, what will happen is you, you you will basically start to set up, you know, a program where you can almost go every other year. So by doing it this fall and then doing it again next spring, and then we're going to skip a, a season and we'll go the following spring. Okay, and then we're going to actually do nothing the following year. So we're going to make probably three applications and then we're going to skip a year. And what that will allow you to do is build up you know, the spore in the soil, and it will knock out a lot of the the Japanese beetle grubs and just get kind of that whole process down. Um, It will really, really kind of limit you, and you won't have to do as much to keep them happy. So, um, Jan, great question. You know, milky spore is kind of a little bit tricky for people. They always kind of tend to, you know, be confused about milky spore because it it's not that active in the soil. It needs to build. So, you know, really, really important. We've got Diane on the phone. Hi, Diane. How are you this morning? I am great. Thank you. Uh, a couple of, well, one question for sure. I have two very large, beautiful, uh, endless summer hydrangeas, the mm-hmm. blue. Mm-hmm. They've always been gorgeous, not one flower this year. Okay. Um, tell me what you did to them this year. Well, I cut I cut them back. I I thought I was supposed to cut them back to the ground, and I did. Okay. Uh, and, and what time of foliage, year? What time of year did you do that? I did them in the fall. I typically cut all my gardens back in the fall. Okay. Okay. Within the summer, you know, it's supposed to rebloom on new wood. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my concern is that within the summer, it doesn't bloom great on new wood. 
meaning all that sucker growth that comes out of the ground. You get great foliage. It looks wonderful. But it really has a tough time budding up because our season really here in Maine is so short. Now, Endless Summer was hybridized by Bailey's Nursery in Minnesota. The way their weather conditions in Minnesota are is they go from literally 35 degrees during the day to almost 75 or 80 degrees during the day, okay, in the spring. So what happens is they get cool nights, but they warm up very quick. Here in Maine, we don't do that. We get 25 degrees at night and 45 degrees during the day, and it can go for a persistent amount of time. And this spring was extremely cold. Okay, so the first thing is I would recommend you don't cut back your endless summer hydrangea. So here's kind of what I would recommend this year. Don't cut it back. Okay. Don't clean up the leaves when they fall. I know that sounds really weird. Usually we want you to clean all those leaves, make sure there's no disease or anything in there. But what I've found is those leaves that fall down into the center of the crown of the plant protect the bottom six to eight inches of of the plant. So we don't really have to do any mulching or any of that. What it does is they fall off, they fall down into the center of the plant. I know it looks a little unsightly throughout the winter months, but leave those those branches up and all those leaves are going to fall down in there. And that's kind of like a natural mulch. And it will protect all those big buds down in the lower center. And then when it comes to spring, we're not going to prune back until the 1st of July or mid-June. mid Sorry, June. 1st of June or mid-June, okay? And what do you prune? You prune just what you feel has the part that looks, still looks dead, that yes. hasn't got new growth on it? Just the... And you top those? I tend to top everything with compost and humus and such, all my beds in the spring. I wonder That's if... That's fine. That's fine. That's we actually fine. are going to want to want to fertilize once a month with holly tone until the 4th of July. Okay, now you, I believe at one point you'd recommended it's the fish fertilizer, the organic. Yes, Neptune's Harvest. You can use yeah. that. You can use that okay. also. The one thing is it has no acidifier in it. So, okay. you know, if you want that deep, deep, rich blue, the holly tone is going to have the acidification in it. Okay. I so, did switch, as you had recommended, okay. to see fertilizing with that, the other, and it's incredible. Yeah, that you know, you get a lot of micronutrients with that fish emulsion, which you don't get with a lot of others. Obviously, the Espoma Hollytone has a lot of meals and other micronutrients also, but that's why I love the organics is it's not just nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium. You know, you get all those little micronutrients like iron and, you know, zinc and all of those things. You know, when you take your multivitamin, you know, it, it does help, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I think we've all just gone to Miracle Glow. just seems to be the go-to fertilizer for years and years. And you really do get a lot of green foliage, but you're not getting the buds. And the, so I, I did switch over to the Neptunes, and I love it. I, won't go, I will continue with that. Yeah, the blue goo, as I like to call it, is great for annuals. Okay. But other than that, you know, we don't want to push our plants that hard. You know, but annuals, they're going to die. So, you know, if yeah. you want to use miracle Grow on annuals or some other Peters or, or, or whatever brand you like, that's fine. Because we're just growing those for flowers. You know, they can bloom and bloom and bloom and bloom. But when it comes to our perennials and trees and shrubs, the organics are much, much better. Okay, so the... Uh what was the one? What was it you recommended again for the hydrangeas? And, uh, for endless summer, if you want to Holly- acidify, holly tone. Holly tone. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for calling. Thanks. 
If you have a question, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Blue hydrangeas, always one of those plants that, you know, is kind of tough. Uh, we have a new variety coming for next year in the Endless Summer uh, hydrangea. Uh, brand. I'm not going to tell you the name yet. I'm holding that. I looked at some of the plants on my trip. Um, it, it looks to be pretty good. Uh, the liners in the pot had flower buds all over them. And we're talking like a six-inch plant where endless summer typically, you know, you're 8, 10, 12 inches before you start to see a flower bud. So that's really, really good to see them blooming in the pot that early in a liner stage. That means it's got a lot of flower power. The nice thing about these new varieties, too, is they're dwarf. So that's going to be a nice thing. A little smaller than in the summer. Let's face it, our yards are getting a little smaller, or we've planted so much stuff that we have smaller spaces to fill. So, you know, it's going to be great, but... Uh, we've got one more question before we take a break. Uh, we'll do Tammy from Cumberland. My cucumbers are small and crooked in weird shapes. What's causing this? My plants were planted in early May and have white mildew all over them. What's going on with my cucumber plants? Well, Tammy, this is a, a common problem this time of year. Like I talked about in the, you know, to start in the show, uh, you've got powdery mildew and you planted your plants really early. You've probably got a lot of cucumbers off of them. We probably about a month ago should have planted some new plants, um, purchased some seed, just stuck a few seeds in, uh, and got some new plants going. Basically, your plants have kind of done their thing. Um, usually when you start to see cucumbers that are kind of crooked, you will see that um, it's usually inconsistent water or over water, which we had all that rain. So that's probably a good situation. And secondly, the plants just have matured to a point where they're really starting to shut down. So that's probably the biggest thing that's going on. Um, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to go ahead and add a couple more plants at this point if you want to, but certainly I would, I would recommend, uh, you know, probably taking those plants out and kind of just moving on at this point. You'll have space to put some fall lettuce in, maybe some spinach, some other things, you know, that are quick crops and be able to kind of turn that, that area over. Um, I hope that helps, Tammy. Um, you know, a common problem that we're seeing this time of year. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen, but what are you really getting? Scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden. August Bargain Days at Estabrooks features big, beautiful, and healthy plants that have been cared for and, in many cases, grown by the talented staff, all at a fraction of the price. All plants are now 20 to 75% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. See the difference and save big today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. 
Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Esterbrook. I'm Tom Esterbrook on this lovely Saturday morning. Great question, Diane. Uh, really, really important. If you have a question, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We have Terry Wing on the uh, line. Terry, how are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. What, uh, what? I have a quick question. Absolutely. Uh, it's not flowers. It's horseradish and rhubarb. Okay. I'd like to know when is the best time of the year to transplant them. Well, rhubarb I would recommend probably in the spring. Um, you know, a lot of people will recommend you can do it in the fall, but I've found that, you know, your loss is much higher in the fall. Um, you know, is it a very big clump? Uh, no, medium, I'd say. Okay. Uh, you know, if it was a really large clump, I'd say you could take a portion of it and move it this fall and then take another portion and move it in the spring and kind of, you know, limit your your exposure. Um, you know, if you don't have a huge clump, you know, then probably early spring. As soon as you start to see those leaves kind of pop up, um, I would take maybe half of the clump and split it into a couple, couple and then leave the, the rest of the existing clump so you have some you can pick off of. Um, if you divide all of it, my recommendation is to not pick any of the leaves the first year um, and really kind of, you know, just say, I'm not going to harvest this year. I'm going to, you know, go ahead and, and divide this year. Uh, but, you know, as far as as the fall, you certainly can do it, you know, but my experience is you do experience some loss factor. Alrighty. On the horseradish, um, again, probably spring. Um, I don't know. You know, it's questionable. It depends on the weather conditions more in the fall. You know, if you go ahead and do it fairly, fairly soon, you know, I think you'll have enough time in the fall for root in, you know, and be able to, you know, go ahead and get a good crop, um, you know, for next year. If you do it in the spring, you know, I think you're going to have very, very good success. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. You have a nice day. You too. So, you know, you know, all kinds of things about moving starting to, you know, be talked about out there in the garden. And we are right on that, you know, general time frame. Uh, you know, think about, you know, what you need to do now rather than reacting late. You know, great question, Terry. I think it's really important that, you know, if you're not sure about the time frame or what to do or when to do it, you know, some perennials don't like to be moved in the fall. You know, so we want to go ahead and talk about about those. So if you have questions about what you can move and what you can't move, you know, give us a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Uh, we've got another question from Ben from Arundel. What should I use to green up my lawn? It's been growing well all season, but seems to be very light green at this point. I seeded in April, fertilized early May and late June. Do I need to lime or just fertilize? 
Okay, so Ben, it sounds like you haven't put any lime down. Uh, lime is the lifeblood of a lawn. Okay, I know everybody thinks fertilizer, you know, you just put that stuff down and it just greens up and it and it's wonderful. Lime is the number one thing folks should be doing to their lawn here in Maine. Okay, if you have any moss, you have any clover in your lawn, you should be liming. Okay, and the reason being is your pH is off in your soil. Now, a soil test always will give us the knowledge and power of where the pH is. But if you see moss, we know your pH is low. So that's a good indicator. We can feel comfortable about putting lime down. If your lawn is alkaline or has a very high pH, I would be blown away here in the state of Maine. That means you've put a lot of lime down for a long, long time. It's not very often that we run into that in the garden center. So the first thing I would recommend is adding some lime. Now, let's talk about what type of lime. You want to use a fast-acting lime. So you go to your local hardware store or box store or whatnot. They don't sell any fast-acting lime, okay, because it's expensive. But it's not expensive. It looks expensive. So here's the, here's the key with lime. Don't buy powdered lime because it takes a long time to break down and become active in the soil. You want to pelletize lime, but you want a lime that has very little to no magnesium. Now, the lawn care companies and lime companies for years have been selling us a mag lime. It has a high level of magnesium in the lime. And what ends up happening is that magnesium helps weeds grow. Okay, so what does that mean? We have to put more weed and feeds down. We have to spray more herbicides on the lawn to keep it clean. You see the perpetual kind of thing that's going on? So we use a high calcium lime. We have a fast-acting lime. It, you buy one bag for five bags of a magnesium lime. Okay, so it's more expensive per bag, but it's actually cheaper in the long run. Okay, so one bag will cover 5,000 square feet compared to a pelletized lime, a magnesium lime, one bag will cover a thousand square feet. Okay, so the bag goes five times the distance, so it doesn't hurt your back. You know, one bag will cover a lot more ground. If you have a lot of moss, I want you to put two bags per 5,000 square feet. Get that pH up. Now, let's do that one week, get it watered in, get the pH kind of acclimated and changing, and then we'll fertilize, okay? By bringing that pH up with clover, especially, if you have a lot of clover in your lawn, if you bring the pH up and you fertilize, it will kill the clover. It will knock it right out. Now, some people go, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that. I won't have a lawn. So, you know, you may lightly raise the pH in fertilizer. That will make the fertilizer available to the grass. If your pH is too low in your lawn, you will not be able to uptake the fertilizer. It does not matter how much fertilizer you put down. You will get a little bit of green up, but you will not be able to take up the nutrients. Now is a good time to use the Espoma re Summer Revitalization fertilizer, and then we'll come back in in October and do a fertilization for the fall. So, you know, the summer re revitalization or, you know, we've got the Bonide summer products also, you know, now is a good time to put those down. And we are seeing that, you know, lawns are starting to 
kind of lightly, you know, bronze up because we haven't had a lot of moisture. I mowed my lawn last night and I was surprised at how, you know, kind of bronze it looked afterwards. It's it's getting on the dry side. So raise those mower decks up a little bit, you know, make sure that you, you're not scalping down the lawn real, real tight. You know, I know we had a lot of rain and the lawn was growing very quickly and we were cutting it very often. Now let's raise the mower deck. It should be at least at three inches. Grow that lawn a little bit thicker, a little bit lighter. Sure, it will, you know, kind of, you know, keep the weed seeds from germinating and also not brown out anywhere near as quickly. So, Ben, I hope that you you want to lime and fertilize now. It's a perfect time. You know, green that lawn where you just seeded it. It's important to get some more fertilizer on it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on this lovely Saturday morning. Been talking a lot about a whole bunch of things, but moving plants seems to be a common theme that we're starting to get a lot of questions about. And, uh, you know, vegetable problems that are kind of going on. And, you know, we've got Johnny Select Seeds here that's going to call in and, and uh, we're going to talk with. And we have Paul Galone, Galone uh, from Johnny Select Seeds. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Tom. How are you today? I'm well. Now's the time to start thinking about next year, though. Oh, boy. It's uh, certainly a great time to start thinking about next year. Uh, It's also a great time to be thinking about 
not only next year, but fall and winter harvest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Playing for now and actually get out there and execute now so that way you can reap the benefits. Uh, You know, fresh spinach on your table on uh, Thanksgiving is very nice. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, you know, one of those certain things that I would say um, people don't realize that they can put that second and third harvest kind of in at this point. So it was a really good time to have you on. Uh, one question we just had, which you might be able to help, was when should we transplant horseradish? You know, is it better in the fall or better in the spring? Do you have a, a, a feel for that? Well, generally we recommend uh, transplanting the uh, the roots in the springtime. Okay. Uh, we're harvesting the roots either in the fall, in the late fall, or the very early spring. What's good about the late fall is usually you're going to have better soil conditions to work with. Um, and if you're harvesting your own roots, uh, and you may want to potentially grow that horseradish in another location, it's really important to dig up all the roots. Okay. Uh, and then when you're actually taking those roots out, make sure you look at and mark the roots correctly so that you know which side is up and down. Okay. Uh, a flat cut on the top, a slant cut on the, the the down portion of the root. That way when you plant it next spring, after you've stored it in your refrigerator, mm-hmm. it knows which way to go. Okay, so that, that helps. That helps. Hopefully, uh, you know, our listeners have, have uh, you know, got a little more information on that. So, But let's talk a little bit about Johnny Seed. We're, we've got... a you know, a few minutes before we have to wrap up the first hour, and we'll bring you back after uh, the break. But let's talk a little bit about the history of Johnny Seed. Where are you located? Well, we're actually, we have three different locations. Uh, Our original location is where our research farm uh, product development and breeding uh, teams uh, are situated, and that is in Albion, Maine. Okay. Uh, Our shipping, receiving, seed packing, um, Operations, those are located in Winslow. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have some very extensive uh, seed storage facilities. Okay. Uh, and then our business office, sales office, contact center, uh, that's located over in Fairfield. They're all within pretty much an eight mile radius. So, uh, you know, we, we do do a little bit of back and forth, but uh, it, it's just a function of the way the company has grown over the years. Absolutely. You know, let's face it, main companies, we tend to grow slow and steady. And uh, you you have, uh, you know, certainly been a company that has grown significantly over the past number of years. Yes. And uh, one of them, I would have to say, one of the major um, changes in the company occurred uh, more recently, and that is when we became a fully employee-owned company. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob uh, Johnson and his wife, Janica, they uh, entered into an agreement to you know, the sell, sell the shares of the stock back uh, to the employees. Uh, and I believe we became 100% employee-owned as of June of 2012. That's wonderful. You know, great main company, great employees, able to kind of transition. That's a great story. Yeah, and... and you know, just to segue into, you know, a main business doing well, you know, we employ over 175 people at this point. Uh, but we, not only are we a local main company, we we have global reach uh, in terms of, you know, we have customers uh, globally that we sell products to. 
namely some of our proprietary products. Uh, but we also, you know, work with vendors, breeders uh, on a global scale. Uh, so that way we can bring the best products to our customers. Well, we certainly use a lot of it in our production and, and uh, you know, love the the way the seed performs. Um, you know, Johnny's has always been a staples kind of to fill in, you know, some of the niche niche products we have, you know, and, uh, you know, always great response, you know, as far as getting the product out to us quickly, as as most people know. Timing is always very important when you're seeding whatever the product might be. Oh, clearly, and... I do believe if, if an order is placed, you know, I'm sorry, I don't work in the sales area. Yeah, absolutely. But I do believe it's, I think it's before 3 o'clock it'll get shipped that day. Yeah, I mean, we get product out very quickly, you know, and it's always one of those things, you know, when you're seeding product and, you know, we do a lot of vegetables with you folks and, and you know, you never know how quickly some of these seedlings are going to sell. So, you know, a lot of times we kind of get caught and it's like, oh, we don't have enough seed. You know, sales are really good. And, you know, you guys are always great about getting stuff out to us, you know, next day or, or, or whatnot. Oh, yeah. No, we pride ourselves in that. So how much seed is actually produced here in Maine? Is, is most of it produced here in Maine or, or is it outside of the country? Well, it, it's, a, it's really it's a combination of uh, locations uh, in the seed business. Many seeds are produced by producing either parent lines or stock seed lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of those, if not, you know, at least for our proprietary uh, products, are produced in Maine, the, the stock seed and the uh, parent lines. But then many of those things are produced in uh, regions of either the country or the globe that have more favorable conditions mm-hmm. uh, to produce a high-quality seed. Uh, for example, peas. You know, we don't want, we can grow peas here to eat, here in Maine, uh, but if you want to produce really nice, viable seed, uh, going to one of the, what we would call the, the pea-growing regions, seed-growing regions, which would be up in Washington, Oregon, up that way, mm-hmm. uh, they have the favorable conditions that's going to produce a high-quality crop uh, that will be dependable. Okay. So what type of seed typically do you, do you produce here in Maine? Well, we do produce a number of our tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do have a very active tomato breeding program, uh, pepper breeding program, lettuce uh, that we're starting to work on, um, squash, pumpkins. Uh, Actually, one of my colleagues was just uh, visiting one of uh, an an outside production of uh, pumpkins uh, in Central Maine the other day. Mm -hmm. There's quite a bit of crops that are produced right here in Maine. And, and like I said, a lot of those are productions for stock seed that will produce, you know, the great quantities that we would need. Absolutely, absolutely. So and we try to do, we try to use as many local people as possible to fit into that. Absolutely, you know, support the local farms and and whatnot. Now we've had late blight show up in Warren, Maine. Have you had any problems with late blight in in your production? As of yet, we have not seen any late blight in our farm or any of our uh, satellite fields that we use for productions or um, even breeding workshops. Uh, I have not seen it on my farm here. I'm in uh, Waldo, Maine. Okay. And uh, late blight is just one of those things that you really need to be vigilant. So 
you know, if, you, if you're within 30, 40 miles of uh, Warren and the conditions are conducive for that disease spread, I would highly recommend spraying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cooperative Extension here in Maine has a very, uh, very good staff, and they have a uh, website where you can get alerts mm-hmm. uh, about this, and, and they will give recommendations in terms of what to spray. Uh, but when it comes to late blight, prevention is, is very critical. You need a preventive application uh, prior to the spores landing on the leaves uh, that will cause infection. Okay. And I think that we've been stressing that to folks. You know, you've got to be proactive on this, and that's great to reinforce that. You know, um, Paul Gallion from Johnny Select Seeds. Paul, we're going to uh, cut you off here for a few minutes. I'm going to talk. We're going to wrap up the first hour here, folks, and uh, we'll bring Paul back uh, to start the second hour. But, uh, you know, late blight, you know, like Paul said, you know, they're always vigilant about it, you know, getting that spray on early, you know, um, been a, a good first hour, uh, great couple calls. Uh, hope you got that information on the horseradish. Paul really kind of filled in the gaps there. Uh, I was thinking spring was the best time, but, you know, harvesting those roots possibly in the fall might be the best option. Um, you know, there's many different ways to do things. So there is no necessarily right or wrong way when it comes to plants. Sometimes you just have better success. It has a lot to do with your conditions. So don't hesitate to give us a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We cannot take phone calls when we're doing a phone interview with a guest. I just want to make sure it folks understand that. So if you have a question, you know, don't hesitate to call after we're done with Paul. We will have some time at the end of the show. We're going to be talking a little bit about butterfly bush, how to get them to winter. The end of the show here, we're also going to talk a bit about fall mums and the do's, the don'ts. Uh, Fall mums are kind of one of those things you see them in all the stores right now and you see them starting to bloom. I've got some tricks to make sure your mums are going to really hold up well this fall, and you're going to have color right into late fall. Um, Really important, we grow uh, a whole lot of mums, about 10,000 mums uh, at our farm in Yarmouth, and ship them out to our three stores, and take great pride in that, and boy, they are looking great. I was down looking at the field yesterday, and absolutely stunning things coming on. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening after this quick break on News Talk WLOB. Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook on a lovely Saturday morning. Just unbelievably beautiful out the window here at the radio station. It's going to be a beautiful day. Beautiful weekend. I hope you can get out and enjoy it. But we have Paul Galeon uh, from Johnny Select Seeds. Paul, welcome back. Thank you very much, Tom. Um, I just wanted to, you know, just start right off. Uh, we were talking about late flight. We were talking about horseradish. Mm. Uh, a number of issues, and um, one thing I want to let people know is that we have a very informative website, uh, and if you search on our website, we have a grower's library section, mm-hmm. uh, 
broken down into the various product categories. And in within those product categories, you'll find a, a complete uh, technical sheet on how to grow horseradish. Okay. You'll also see uh, a technical sheet on how to prevent late flight and okay. uh, some steps you can take there. That's great. I mean, you know, websites are wonderful. And the nice part about your website is it really is kind of, um, you know, focused on Maine, I'm sure. A lot of, you know, true Maine information, which, you know, when you Google search, you know, gardening sites, we get so much misinformation for here in Maine on what to do. And so that's a great resource, you know, and coming from good people here in Maine. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, and again, we have some, some wonderful information. Uh, the information that we do have on our website, again, it's uh, based on, you know, research that we've done uh, and the research that we've done here in uh, Central Maine. And what's that website address? Uh, com. All right, johnnies.com. And let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that folks should be planting right now for that fall harvest that you were talking about in early winter. Um, What should people be doing? I mean, you know, we've had some questions in the past few weeks, you know, about people, their their first set of crops, you know, have really kind of started to go by. And, and, you know, my opinion is they should strip those out, you know, re-amend the soil and go ahead and seed a, a nice fall crop at this point. That's a great idea, Tom, because right now we're starting to get into these cool evenings, uh, the warmer days, uh, so some conditions that are really uh, conducive to some of the leafy green type crops, mm-hmm. uh, such as uh, spinach, lettuce, uh, some of the brassica greens will still do wonderfully at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you might, uh, we're, depending on where you are in the state, uh, you can get some beets put in. Okay. Uh, another thing people can really think about, if they have um, low tunnels or even uh, a high tunnel, uh, that's going to add two, three, anywhere up to four weeks uh, on your season. And when you say low tunnel or high tunnel, basically that's a, a structure that's going to cover over the garden and kind of trap heat and, and protect from kind of frost and, and uh, cold temperatures, right? Correct. And, you know, more so it modifies uh, the highs and the lows. So okay. That's, uh, makes for a more conducive environment for the plants to grow. And you usually uh, can, what, get a crop right into, you know, late November, you know, pretty easily? Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. Even even in outdoor seeding of spinach now, uh, you'll definitely get something to eat before the ground's covered with snow. Uh, if you take it one step further uh, and use a low tunnel, we sell low tunnel benders that make, about a, you know, just to cover a garden bed about four foot wide. We make a four-foot and a six-foot model. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can cover that with, to start with, maybe uh, a spun-bonded polyester product like Agrabond first. Mm-hmm. And then as the weather gets colder, you can maybe add a layer of plastic. That will give you some more uh, heat protection. Okay. Uh, or even doubling up with the, uh, the Agrabond fabric will increase the uh, frost protection. But unfortunately, it cuts down the light. Yeah, let's face it, Maine, we just never know when the season's exactly going to end, you know, but this is the perfect conditions to really get in there and seed some material. We've got some nice heat and humidity coming, you know, the moisture level is kind of low right now in the soil, so we can add the moisture, and, you know, a good stretch of weather to get those seedlings kind of sprouted and and kind of going here in the next week or so. 
Oh, definitely. Uh, now's another time, even for home gardeners, to really be thinking about uh, ground that they might not be planting, uh, that they're pulling out uh, either an early spring crop or they're just finishing up a row of beans or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about potentially putting some sort of a cover crop down. Uh, soils do not like to be exposed. They don't like to be bare, especially through the winter. Um you know, when we have very, very challenging conditions, exposed soil in the future either gets blown around or eroded. So uh, let's treat our soil nice and keep it covered. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, I'm starting to think about, you know, maybe I need to do some soil prep for next year and, and turning over a, a new garden area, you know, getting that cover crop in, you know, kind of acclimating that soil, loosening it, get a, a good tilling on it, and then get a cover crop on it uh, so that next spring we're pretty much can till, add in the organic matter, and then, you know, uh, we'll be ready to kind of plant. What would you recommend for a cover crop coming up? Well, for a cover crop coming up, it depends on when you can plant it, for one. Uh, also, it depends on what type of uh, equipment you have to either plant the cover crop and then uh, terminate the cover crop. Uh, for a home gardener, uh, if right now you're just finishing up an area, uh, a great choice would be a mixture of maybe oilseed radish and oats, mm-hmm. where they will um, they will grow very aggressively at this time of year, uh, and they will be able to actually so soak up any available nutrients in the soil so to prevent any kind of leaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll soak up those nutrients, hold on to them. Uh, and then they'll die with the first hard frost okay. uh, and create a nice mat of vegetation to protect the soil through the winter, uh, and then it's easily worked in the, in the springtime. Yeah, I've always always had very good luck with oats. It's a very easy product. It germinates very easily, um, you know, and and you get a lot of lush growth that really, like you said, takes up a lot of nutrients, a great organic matter that's going to go back into the soil um, and, and kind of just dies off. You don't really have to worry about it and, you know, knocks down a lot of those weeds that you might have too, um, you know, so you kind of put that protection barrier. So first thing in the spring, you really don't get that weed you know, growth that will pop back up. Exactly. It forms, it, you know, it, it forms a nice cover over the soil. Uh, and, and again, it's easy to work in in the springtime. Uh, another combination with oats would be a field seed. Uh, and that way you can get a little bit more uh, of a nitrogen component mm-hmm. uh, involved in that uh, ecosystem. So certainly, you know, there's many different options to cover your garden. Um, a lot of folks don't think about it because we try to push that harvest right till the end. When sometimes I think it's better if we just go to head harvest a little bit early, you know, either freeze or pack some of those, those uh, you know, products, can them, whatnot, and then clean the garden and get that cover crop can really set you up for a great, great spring. Oh, clearly. Um, a great example uh, that, that I always think of are, you know, tomatoes. Uh, we love our fresh tomatoes in the summertime, uh, but once we start getting really cool nights uh, into the 40s, the low 40s especially, uh, personally, I think it changes the flavor of the tomato mm-hmm. and really loses the flavor. So, hey, get those tomatoes out, plant some spinach or a cover crop, and get the second season going. Right. Always important to, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, we get that second crop, you know, that late season fresh. You know, there's nothing like 
fresh spinach or or fresh lettuce coming right out of the garden. Right now I'm picking fresh lettuce for salads and you know, I don't care what anybody says. You know, fresh leaf lettuce is just amazing. You know, makes a totally different, you know, uh, taste to the salad. And, you know, you can't buy that at the store. Oh, exactly. Um, I don't know if you've tried it yet, but our new introduction this past year was the Salanova lettuce. Uh, that has some wonderful flavor, and it's, it's a wonderful product, and I'd highly recommend that. Okay. Okay, let's. That kind of leads us leads us in, Paul. To, you know, let's talk a little bit about the new products that you have there available. Certainly, um, you know, I don't want to let the the cat the proverbial cat out of the bag before mid November. Okay, uh, when we do have our catalog. Absolutely, be November fifteenth. Uh, but you know, we what I can tell you right now is we get some real new, uh, exciting new introductions in the tomato world. Okay. Okay, um, maybe I'm just going to peak interest at this point. Absolutely. Uh, but then, you know, November 15th, you'll actually see some new varieties and a whole new uh, whole new genre, so to speak. Well, maybe we can have you back to talk about all of those. Oh, definitely. After catalog launch, I'd love to be able to talk about our products. Great. Um, we're also planning to expand our greenhouse cucumber selection. Okay. Okay. Uh, because there seems to be much more demand for fresh cucumbers, both early and late, uh, plus with the variety of cucumbers that are coming out of the breeders now. Okay. Especially the thin skin snacking types. Uh, we're also think we've been doing quite a bit of work expanding our cut flower lineup. Mm-hmm. So home gardeners especially, um, small commercial growers that grow for farmers markets, uh, will be very pleased with some of the additions that we have this year. Um, you know, we do have potentially, I, you know, we, we have things continually, uh, working through the pipeline, so to speak, in our tomato and squash breeding. Uh, so again, just stay tuned for these, uh, really exciting things that are going to be happening come fall. Okay. So we're talking fall here. Let's talk pumpkins. What are your favorite, favorite pumpkins that are in your line right now that, um, you know, customers going to, to put a pumpkin plant in next spring might consider uh, looking at? Well, right off the bat, okay, we, we've talked a, a couple of points that I've really appreciated you mentioning. One is we have a very challenging climate growing conditions here in Maine. Mm-hmm. This year with all the rain, for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, rain, hot cold. You never know what the next day is going to be. Also, uh, Tom, you'd also mention that there's just more than one way to do something. And, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate hearing that. Uh, because in the gardening world, there's not just one way to grow a tomato. There's many, many ways. But anyway, back to the pumpkins. The one bulletproof variety that I would highly recommend to any main gardener, uh, again, you need the space to do it, is our racer pumpkin, racer PMR. I love that variety. Uh, we try to buy as many as we can finished every year. Uh, great producer. I, I agree with you there. Uh, just as the name implies, it, it, you plant it, and once it gets established, it, it just really puts on some very, very quick growth uh, and, and vines out, runs really nice. Off uh, to the races, I, right? <laughs> excuse me? Off to the uh, races, right? Exactly. Uh, and if you do see that, we do have the, the PMR, which is the powdery mildew resistant type. Mm-hmm. 
which I would recommend, especially if you're in a, more of a low-lying area that might hold uh, good air movement. Paul Gallione from Johnny Select Seeds. Paul, you've been a wealth of knowledge. Um, we'd love to have you back to talk more about, you know, next year's catalog. You know, the one thing about winter that I always love is being able to thumb through all of those catalogs and, and be able to kind of, you know, get excited about spring. So great to hear November 15th, Johnny Select Seed catalog is going to be out. Uh, we're going to wrap up with you. Uh, I appreciate it. We'll have you on again. Uh, come up uh, in you know the next few months here, and uh, I appreciate your time. I'd love to join you again, Tom, especially after catalog launch. Uh, and I do want to make a, a slight correction. Mm-hmm. Our website, our website is www.johnnyseeds.com. Johnnyseeds.com. Paul Galion from. Johnny Select Seeds, thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Summer sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen. But what are you really getting? Scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden. August Bargain Days at Estabrooks features big, beautiful, and healthy plants that have been cared for and, in many cases, grown by the talented staff, all at a fraction of the price. All plants are now 20 to 75% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. See the difference and save big today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Welcome 
back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook. I'd like to thank uh, Paul Galeon from Johnny Select Seeds. Uh, wonderful, wonderful company to work with uh, if you have seed needs. Certainly, you know, great website, a lot of information, Johnny johnnyseeds.com. Uh, and uh, the variety he was talking about on the pumpkins was Racer. And uh, my experience with Racer uh, has been great. Uh, we try to buy as many Racer pumpkins. They are a real nice rounded pumpkin, probably in the 15 to 20 pound. You might get some up into the 30 pound range, but a real heavy, heavy, heavy pumpkin. Uh, really nice sidewalls, a uh, little bit of a rib to it, but a really really strong stem which is what you really want when you you buy a pumpkin is a a nice stem they the stem kind of curls a little bit but it's really nice and thick and holds on dark dark green great variety mildew resistant you know just a wonderful variety definitely look at that variety if you're going to be planting a bunch of pumpkins next year we'll have johnny select seeds for sure back um, you know, they are a staple here in Maine uh, and one that has a lot of new things. They're very innovative. They continue to add to their line. We always kind of pull out their catalog during the winter months. Uh, we'll have them back to talk about all those new additions in probably November, December, or early winter. I know it's coming. You know, August is almost over, folks. You know, it wasn't it just a few weeks ago we were talking July was over. So here we go. We're on to fall, and, and kind of fall kind of brings a lot of questions. So if you have questions, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We're here to help. I know I've talked to a lot of you in the yard that are listening, you know, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm embarrassed to call or whatnot. I really don't bite very often. So, you know, don't hesitate to call if you have a question, you know, or, you know, you certainly can come into the yard, you know, talk to any of our employees, professionals at the garden center. You know, we're always here to help. Um, that's the one thing I want to come across, you know, and if there are certain topics or things you want to learn more about, don't hesitate to email us at estabrooksonline.com or estabrooks, um, well, we've got a radio uh, part of that, but I can't remember it right now. So we're just going to roll on. Estabrooksonline.com and, uh, you know, send us a message and let us know what you're interested in. We're always looking for new topics for the radio show and uh, would love to kind of bring some things that maybe you have some interest on uh, coming up here for winter. But we have a question here from Laurel in Standish, and her question is, how do I prune back my limelight hydrangea at the end of the season? It's huge, and I need to get it under control. I might move it and put a smaller variety in. Do you have any su suggestions? Here we are. It's hydrangea time. Let's face it, folks. Beautiful hydrangeas. You know, we've got uh, Quickfire, Pinky Winky, Limelight, Phantom, uh, all these wonderful varieties that have just come in. And Limelight Hydrangea is a big flower, has kind of a lime green color that fades to a white. Uh, just a fabulous variety. Nice upright grower. Um, typically, you know, doesn't flop a lot unless it puts on a lot of growth. Uh, but those flowers are just enormous probably five or six inch flowers just stunning we just got a crop in uh, from uh, one of our growers that looks absolutely amazing limelight hydrangea you can pretty much prune anytime now now if you want to enjoy the flowers or dry them you can go ahead and pick them at their peak right now so you know laurel you could go ahead and 
shape the plant now if you wanted to. If you want to leave those flowers on and enjoy them out in the yard, you know, certainly do so. But you could go ahead and prune any time now. Uh, reason being is we're not sacrificing the blooms in the spring. It's not a concern. We can prune this fall or early spring. Not a concern. Where the plant is kind of out of control, you can take it back as much as probably 50%. So if you need to aggressively prune it back, you can do so. Now, with any of the paniculata hydrangeas that are the bigger growers, so limelight, pinky winky, uh, quick fire, uh, kayushu, there's a million, okay? Always prune where you figure you're going to get about 18 inches of growth. So if you want that plant to be four foot tall, prune it back to two and a half feet every spring or fall. Okay, so you're going to put on about 18 inches of growth and get the flower. If you're really good about fertilizer, you might get two feet. Okay, but always think about that in relation to what the plant's going to be the following year. Don't cut it back to the size you want to keep it. Cut it back to the size thinking of what growth will kind of come on, you know, next year. So you can go ahead and prune that plant back pretty aggressively this fall. And then if you'd like to move it, you know, certainly early to mid-September, just as the leaves are kind of starting to yellow, you can go ahead and do that. Put some nice biotone from a spoma um, around that, you know, to build root system as a root stimulator, and then water, 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 right until the ground freezes, okay? Now, you also talked about what you might replace that with. Well, luckily, Limelight has a lovely sister plant now. It's called Little Lime. I know, they, re they got really, really, you know, uh, aggressive with that name. You know, they really, you know, went out of the box on that name. But Little Lime is a great variety. We're selling more and more of it. It's about half the size of Limelight. And so nice, the, the flower size is about half as much also, but you get twice as many flowers. So it's a very, very, very nice, you know, rounded plant, uh, just blooms and blooms and blooms. So if you really want to keep that plant to, say, four to five feet, maybe six feet, Little Lime might be a better choice for you. We've got a great selection of those right now. And, you know, just full bloom, looking wonderful. Uh, again, flowers a little smaller. So, you know, when you come in to talk to us about hydrangeas, you know, let's talk about the space you have first and then pick the variety second. You know, a lot of times customers will come in and they want a specific variety for a specific spot. One that we've talked a lot about all season has been um, vanilla strawberry. Because everybody seems to be really hot on that variety right now. What we're finding about vanilla strawberry is is a very vigorous grower. It is a big grower. You can't put it in a small spot. It's very tough to keep small. So vanilla strawberry you want out in the yard, on that border, someplace it can get 8 by 8 10 by 10 You know, that big, big show. Definitely I would recommend you go ahead and... And, you know, get those bigger varieties out away from the house. Some of these new varieties, we've got a variety called Bobo, very small dwarf variety. We've got, an, uh, you know, a whole bunch of new, all the new breeding seems to be headed towards dwarf varieties. So, you know, Laurel, great question. You know, we can go ahead and prune anytime this fall or spring. But, you know, if you're going to move it, go ahead in the next few weeks. You know, again, good time to root prune now. Good time to go ahead and start building that root system for when you want to move it probably mid-September. Hopefully Mother Nature kind of works nicely with us. Next topic I kind of want to talk about is 
butterfly bush. Because butterfly bush, they can tend to be a little bit tough for us to overwinter here in Maine. They're a zone 5 plant. So along the coast, 20 miles from the coast is really what, where you want to kind of stick to. We can get away with a few more inland and sheltered locations, but they primarily do very well along the coast. The biggest problem I find with butterfly bushes, the time when everybody wants to buy them and plant them is late fall because they look so wonderful. You know, So we start to receive a lot of butterfly bush around Memorial Day, and the reason being is they're very frost-sensitive. So we don't have a lot of butterfly bush in stock early in the season because our cold frosty temperatures in the spring just do not agree with their new foliage that comes out. So a lot of times in the spring we will take requests, nursery requests for butterfly bush because we don't want to sell them to you early on in the season when they don't have any foliage, they get frosted, you set yourself back, you start to have problems right from the get-go. So if you come in early in the spring, April, early May, don't hesitate to write your name down on our request form, give it to the staff, and what that will do is when we start receiving butterfly bush, we will go ahead and give you a call, okay, and tell you basically it's safe to start planting. Now, butterfly bush, of course, looks stunning right now. We've got a bunch coming in. We had a shipment last Thursday. We've got some more coming in on Tuesday. Our fall product's starting to arrive, and... The one thing you need to do about butterfly bush is do not cut the plant back in the fall. Okay, it's very similar to endless summer hydrangea. When you cut back butterfly bush in the fall, a lot of times the frost will go down in the stems and it will kill the main stems. Okay, so my recommendation is don't cut it back. If you do, it's not going to be the end of the world. We just might want to protect it a little bit more. But with butterfly bush, what I've found is... and Take a look at this. If you typically cut back your butterfly bush, you will find the upper four or six inches of those stems where you cut it back will die off every winter. And then from the base, you'll get a lot of good growth around the crown. That's why I don't want you to cut it back. Okay, I find that the plants stay more um, intact and you have less dieback. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to prune it back in the spring because butterfly bush is is a very vigorous grower, and it likes to be pruned back and shaped. But basically, you should be doing it in the spring. So, you know, we're going to not cut it back in the fall. We're going to make sure we don't over-fertilize in the fall because butterfly bush will bloom until basically as long as Mother Nature will let it. It will try to grow itself to death. And a lot of times that last flush of growth in September and October will die back regardless because it just is continuing to grow right till the last gun fires. And in Maine, it turns cold very quickly. All of a sudden, we're nice. We're 50, 60 degrees during the day. And then, bam, 28. And we stay that way for three, four days in a row, and that will kill that newest growth. Sometimes you see that on, um, you know, a lot of plants. You might see that on Japanese maples. It sometimes happens here in Maine. Um, you know, certainly in the summer hydrangea can happen. All those late, late, you know, flowering and, and uh, things that just continue to grow late into the fall, you know, can be a problem. So we're not pruning. We're watering well into fall. Into the, right until the ground freezes, okay? We're not fertilizing when you put the plant in. We're using a good root stimulant like biotone or rock phosphate. And so we're setting ourselves up. Now, 
when the leaves drop off, you still need to water a couple more times. We want that root system not to have that freezer burn effect. So, you know, if it goes in dry into the winter, we usually find we get a lot of root damage, and, and that's what usually you lose your butterfly bush is root damage. The tops usually are okay, but when we kill the root system, that's it. It's over, okay? So we've made it through the winter. Spring is coming. It's April, and you're out there, and you're cleaning up all and starting to mulch and doing We're still not going to touch that butterfly bush. We're going to wait until we see good active growth in mid-May before we shape and prune the butterfly bush, okay? So you're going to start to see nice new leaves starting to come off all the old main stems. You're going to start to see kind of some activity. We're still going to wait. We're going to wait till those leaves are probably about four inches. You know, the, the new branches are coming off. They're about four inches long. And then we'll go ahead and we'll just shape the plant. Give some nice fertilizer-like plant tone, and we're off to the races, okay? So... Key steps, don't prune in the fall, and don't prune too early in the spring. That freeze and thaw, we really find, has a lot of damage when it comes to butterfly bush. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. <sighs> Saturday morning, cup of coffee's all in. 
Now it's time to start getting out there and gardening. Uh, beautiful weekend. I uh, hope you're going to get out there and enjoy this wonderful weather. I'm going to spend a little time in the garden. I've got some extra weeding to do in the vegetable garden. They're just starting to really pop back. So I'm going to do some cultivation out there. And, you know, we were just talking about butterfly bush. And, you know, if you follow all of those things, your success rate will be quite good. But it's butterfly bush. They're a very rapid grower. They tend to grow themselves to death periodically. Sometimes you're going to lose one just because it's the nature of the plant. You wouldn't have done anything wrong. Uh, it's just the nature of the plant. So luckily, big bang for your buck. Long flower cycle. If you take all of those flowers off, it will continue to bloom. So with most shrubs, we don't usually tell you to deadhead them. But I would treat you know, butterfly bush as a perennial almost, where you can deadhead and you'll get more blossoms. This was the one thing I left out before the break, okay? You do want to stop deadheading them probably right about now, okay? So this would be the the last time you would take off those flower heads. Then I want the plant to think that it's going to reproduce. So I want them to set seed pods. I want them to kind of start to think they've done their cycle and not expend too much energy, okay? So at this point, I would let the spent flowers kind of go to seed, and I would kind of just let them kind of start to acclimate for winter. If you continue to deadhead right till the end of the frost, that plant never slows down. It's saying, I have to bloom, I have to reproduce, I have to set seed, and it's continuing to expend energy all the way up until frost. So that's the last bit of information. If you have a question, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We've got a question here from Josh in Saco. His question is, my bleeding heart and lupin look terrible. How can I make them look better? Every year this happens, what am I doing wrong? Well, Josh, you're not doing anything wrong. It's the nature of the plant. And I just cut back our bleeding heart at my house, um, you know, and driving in, I saw a bunch in people's yards that are all yellow. They're looking awful. You know, there's brown leaves, there's yellow leaves. It's all sporadic, and some of the branches have completely gone dormant and just kind of, you know, fallen to the ground. Bleeding hearts don't like hot weather. So don't hesitate to go ahead and cut that right back. Okay, same with lupin. You know, the one thing about bleeding hearts and lupin is once they're established, they kind of are on their own. Once you cut them back, you're good. Don't worry about it. The first year you plant bleeding hearts or lupin, though, we need to mark the clump. Okay, and we need to continue to water. So my suggestion is if it's a new bleeding heart or a new lupin, plant an annual where the clump is okay so just to the left or the right of that clump put an annual there it's going to kind of grow over the clump but what you're going to do is you're going to continue to water that annual because you've got something living there and more often than not we see this a lot in our scarborough and kennebunk store people lose bleeding hearts and they lose lupin because they go dormant and people stop watering them they think they're dead so you come in in the spring, and you've got this beautiful plant. You take it home. You plant it. It's growing fine. Everything's looking good. Then all of a sudden, it just kind of disappears. You know, it wilts off. The foliage dies, and you go, oh, I don't know what happened. 
You didn't do anything wrong. It's just the natural progression of that plant. It's what I call an elevator plant. All of a sudden, it looks wonderful, and then it goes right back down to the ground floor. All that energy goes right back into the root system, you know, absolutely is happy doing that. It just goes dormant, okay? You don't have to have nice foliage to feed that root system all summer or anything like that. So, you know, plant that annual right next to that clump. What that will do is keep you in your head that I need to water and keep moisture on that plant, even though the root system is is uh you know dormant um you know keep that moisture in scarborough and the kennebunk market we find with the sandier soils people have a lot tougher time uh overwintering that plant where in the yarmouth market it's a little more loam clay soil they tend not to have to water it so often when the plant is dormant so you know each yard conditions are going to kind of you know lead to what's going to work best and whatnot but uh certainly you're doing nothing wrong. Okay. So great question. You know, if you have questions about, uh, you know, some of the plants that aren't looking so great in your yard right now, don't hesitate to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. This brings up a good topic. Okay. And we're going to kind of talk more to finish out the show about mums and fall, fall plants. But it brings up a topic about should we start to clean up some of the debris that's in your garden? We've had some hot weather. Now we've got some dry weather. You know, get out there and water. I can't stress enough. But, you know, maybe your daylilies kind of at this point, you know, the foliage is looking kind of awful. You can prune those right back to the ground now if you need to. Make some space in your yard. Make some space in the garden. You know, maybe you've got some of those plants that are spring bloomers that just look awful at this point. Go ahead, cut them back. You know, if the foliage looks awful, most of the energy has gone back into the root system at this point. You know, if you've got yellowing leaves and things aren't looking good, prune them back and pick up your water. You may see them start to reflush out of the ground. That's okay. It's not a problem. They'll just expend that energy back into the soil as we get later on in the fall. But clean away some of that debris. You know, rotting material on plants is the number one disease factor for future problems. So get that stuff out of the garden, create some more airflow through the garden, make some space maybe to add a few more things. And, you know, don't hesitate to, you know, when you do that, you cut it back, you can root prune if you want to divide or or move things later. But right now is the perfect time, you know, to start cleaning up. And I've started to prune back a few things in my yard just because I like to start now. Why leave all the work? till late fall. Fall's my favorite time of year. I love to go apple picking. I like like to go out and, you know, enjoy the the woods and and uh, you know, do all kinds of things in the fall. It's a nice quiet time for us in the garden center. You know, we get a big busy time frame in September and then we start to, you know, cool off in October. So I really like to enjoy the fall. And there's nothing worse than feeling like you have to do everything to get ready for winter. So if you can start now, it's a great way to save time later on. It's also a great time to start thinking about maybe cleaning up those weeds by cutting back all the stuff. You open up the soil. You're able to get in there and work and clean up those weeds. Maybe, you know, work the soil a little bit, you know, lift some of that, add some compost. You know, start doing some of your prep. Like we had talked with Paul, now's a perfect time to start working on next year's garden bed. 
you know, prepping the soil, letting it sit over the winter, or planting it this fall. You know, if you've got a new garden area, prep that soil now. You know, if you want to do a new vegetable garden next year, now's the time. You know, we talked about it. You can cut down the weeds, cut down the grass, spray all those weeds, kill it dead, and then till the soil, put a cover crop in, and you're off to the races. You're ready to go in the spring. You till and you plant. Now I know. You can't take that advice because I was really late last spring. You know, I didn't do my work last fall. This year, it's happening, okay? I've already got plans to have the field mode. I bought a brand new, uh, a used uh, bush hog to mow the field. Um, You know, like I've said, uh, we've been in our house a little over a year and a half now. And, uh, you know, having a lot more property has, uh, you know, been a wonderful thing, but it also creates more work. So I've got a nice bush hog. I'm going to mow the field here in the next week, get that all prepped and ready and, uh, you know, start tilling, uh, kill the weeds, get the cover crop in. And I'll be off to the races in the spring. We'll be able to till. I'm going to have a much larger garden next year. Uh, the garden has been wonderful this year, but, you know, I didn't do my planning the way I should have. I, I didn't have enough space for everything I wanted, but uh, I got it in. And we're getting some fresh vegetables, and, you know, it's nice to sit down to a nice meal when you know you've really worked hard at it. So I'd like to thank my, thank my wife. She's done most of the work. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earth-Life Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer sales at garden centers are a dime a dozen, but what are you really getting? Scrawny plants that nobody wanted in the first place won't help your garden. August Bargain Days at Estabrooks features big, beautiful, and healthy plants that have been cared for and, in many cases, grown by the talented staff, all at a fraction of the price. All plants are now 20 to 75% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. See the difference and save big today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook. Lovely Saturday morning. We're going to talk a little bit about mums here coming up, but first we have Alan on the line. Alan, how are you this morning? Good morning, Tom. Nice uh, fallish kind of day. Yeah, I love absolutely. it. Absolutely. This is the best time of year. 
It, it is. I agree with you. <laughs> Just love to be outside. So what's going on today? Well, we have uh, actually... I have, I've, I've grown pumpkins for two years, mm-hmm. and this year I finally kind of found out what's going on. I believe it's the squash vine borer. Mm-hmm. And so the, where, the, where I plant, you know, the stem where it goes into the ground, sure. it usually starts there and it just rots out and um, get that little yellow cornmeal kind of look. Right. I believe that's what it is. Okay. So I guess my question is, what can I do in the future? That's a good question. Um, you know, with pumpkins, are you are you just using them for ornamental use? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple things, you know, we might have some overwintering going on in the soil um, would be mm-hmm. my, first, my first concern. Um, are you spraying them with any insecticide? Uh, I try not to unless okay. I really need to. Yeah. I mean, you might try doing something like a 7 or an 8, um, okay. you know, kind of preventatively. Um, you know, a lot of times you can get the adult stage before it gets to a borer situation. Um, okay. You know, they're they're laying eggs and then boring into the stems typically. Um, you know, you might also, I, I assume you're doing, are you doing hand cultivation or are you doing, uh, you know, rototilling? Um, pretty much hand. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, cultivating really well this fall in, the, in that area. Are you planting them in the same area year in and year out? Well, those are those I am. Okay. Not other things I, I switch around. But. If you have the opportunity to move them to break that cycle, you know, yeah. might be another option. Um, you know, if you don't, you know, maybe you know, till the soil really well, you know, this fall and again late in the fall, um, just okay. to, to you know work the soil and and uh, you know break up that life cycle a little bit. Um, more than anything, you know, I would say the insecticide is probably going to be the best way to go, you know, using something like a 7 or an 8. Um, you may also, you know, use like a pyrethrin of some sort, which is mostly, you know, the 8 would, would do well for that. Um, mm-hmm. But be, vigil- you know, kind of aggressive on that when the plants are really young. It's probably, okay. you're probably seeing it mostly when they're young plants, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, uh, I actually think I saw the... the- uh, kind of kind of looks like a wasp, I guess, mm-hmm. um, with the red dots on it. But right. uh, this is the first year I really kind of understood what it was. So um, it it grew. It had healthy leaves. It, it was really nice, and all of a sudden, boom! It just right declined. Right. So, you know, with pumpkins, that's, you know, some periodic sprays on it, you know, will help with that and just kind of, you know, knock out anything that's there. We're finding with pumpkins, you know, you know, we used to kind of just be able to plant it and kind of just water and forget it, you know, with good fertilizer and water. But as we've kind of had some more of these insects that have shown up, they tend to really be a detriment middle of the crop. So, you know, when you first plant, you know, maybe do a a spray like, you know, two weeks after you plant. And then maybe every couple weeks do a light, light spray. Try to get down into those stems. um, And what will happen is you'll kind of knock the majority of it out. And, you know, it's one of those insects that you don't really think about until, bam, all of a sudden it's decimated you. Right, right. Yeah, and, and and like I said last year, I didn't, didn't understand the problem, so I said, well, maybe maybe it's the heat, maybe the stems are just drying. Yeah, out. no, I mean the yeah. 
there really isn't any other way to kind of, you know, get that scenario out of there. You know, there you could have some neighbors that have the same problem where, you know, the wasp is kind of going around and, and laying those eggs, you know, here, there, everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that might be part of the problem also. So, you know, covering them over with a row cover might be another option too. Um, you okay. know, uh, like a harvest guard, you know, so that you, you, uh, can, that wasp wouldn't be able to get to it. You know, um, if you continually, you know, to see the same problem, maybe just mark on the calendar when you start to see problems show up. Okay. And you may be able to, you know, put that cover on, you know, a few weeks before and be able to, you know, put a, a structure, you know, so it's not right on the leaves, um, and cover those with that harvest guard. And that may also help. Okay, and that's what it's called, a Harvest Guard? Yeah, we sell it. The, the product name's Harvest Guard. Um, okay. And it's, it's a cheesecloth-like product. Um, mm-hmm. It also is great for frost protection, early spring or late. So, you know, you'd have a use for it all the time. If you do radishes, it's great because you can bury all of the, the sides to it, and it'll keep the uh, uh, radish borer out of it um, without any spraying. Um, oh, so wow. that's a that's a great product to use. You know, you can use it on your spinach and stuff like that. Also, you know, to keep kind of flea beetles or any of those insects off of it early mm-hmm. spring. So you know, it has a, a whole host of uses. Um, now, and can it, you use it for the, the endless summers, or is it, it that's too big for that? Or? Uh, for and the summer, just to pr- to give it some shade. Yeah, yeah, because you were having problems with it really wilting hard in yeah. the in the summer sun. You certainly yeah. could could uh, you know give it some shade. It'll it'll probably give you about fifty percent shade, but it's okay. more a question of whether or not you want to look at that white cheesecloth out in your yard. That's true. It's kind of, it's it's kind of you know a, a norm to see it in the vegetable garden, but when you start putting white cheesecloth all over your plants out in the yard, it kind of takes away from the yard. I think. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, sounds good. Thank you, Tom. All right. Well, thanks, Alan. Have a good weekend. All right. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Um, you know, that's a common thing. You know, we we run into with you know trying to protect plants. You know, and I, I'm of the belief that putting the right plant in the right spot. You know, we don't always have the right spot for a plant but endless summer wilts very easily and uh, you know sometimes there's just nothing we can do about it uh, you putting all that water on it and fertilizer and everything it still wilts in the hot summer sun so you know if you can get it in a little bit more shade like we talked down that might help um we're gonna wrap up the show here with some mum talk mum's the word okay it's it's getting to that time frame and when i was in new york i i saw mums everywhere and of course, here in Maine, there's not a ton of mums. They're starting to show up. But what I wanted to kind of talk about is we grow all of our own mums. And we have early, mid-season, and late bloomers. Okay? So the early season are not going to make it until the last hurrah. Okay? Now, there's some variables in that. When they were planted what the variety is, what we've sprayed on them, like an ethylene product to hold the buds tight. There's all kinds of different things we do to manipulate them. So the general rule of thumb on mums is you're going to probably get about six weeks of color out of them if you come in and buy them in the next few weeks, okay? The warmer the temperatures, the quicker the mums are going to go by. So when you come in, a lot of times you're going to see some that are in bloom, and that's for instant color. You know, going to get you six to eight weeks maybe. If it's warm, it's going to go a little bit quicker. It might be four to six weeks. If you buy them in tight bud, you're going to have eight to ten weeks of probably bloom time. 
okay? The sooner you get your mums planted in the soil, the slower they bloom. Okay, did you get that? The slower they bloom because the soil temperatures are cooler than them in the pot. Okay, when they're above ground and in the pot, the soil temperatures are as warm as the air temperatures, if not warmer. Okay, and what happens is the blooms come on quicker. Now, sometimes with, like, for instance, the hot weather we had in July, we can get what we call heat delay. On They won't bud up, but once they're budded, the sooner we get them in the ground and they're in tight bud, the longer they hold, okay? And you really shouldn't have to put any fertilizer on your mums, okay? You shouldn't have to feed. You shouldn't have to do anything extra, you know, to your mums. Once you plant them, we have fed them all they need. You can give a light fertilizer once in a while if they're yellow, but for the most part, compost and all of that in the soil will have plenty of nutrients. So it's fall, folks. You know, it's time to start thinking. Our mums are not out for sale yet, okay? They will be for next weekend, okay? They're looking wonderful. We want to give them another week before we start shipping to to our stores and putting them out for sale. Unbelievable annuals. Fill in some of those holes. You know, cut back some of those perennials. Start thinking about fall. Start doing some of the work in the yard. Don't leave it till September and October. It's time to start cleaning up. A lot of fresh material coming in. Got a load on Thursday. Another big load of stuff, fresh stuff coming on Tuesday. Get out there. Enjoy your garden. I'm going to. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you next Saturday.